And we're live. All right. Nice. What's up, guys? Welcome to the next episode of The Cymatic Show. I probably have the most requested guests of all time, Virtual Riot. How's it going, man? Hello. Um, I'm great. How are you? Uh, doing good. Dude, people, I kid you not, every time I ask, because we'll do posts, like, hey, who should we bring on? Virtual Riot, Virtual Riot. Everybody's, like, been asking like crazy. That's for, sick. Oh, that's the, great to hear. Okay, now I'm here. Let's go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, guys, we got him out here, which kind of on, like, a ninja mission, flying in. Oh, yeah. Flying in yesterday, last night and then it, coming. It, it just fit in really well. We just played uh, our first Disciple Kingdom tour show in New York. And so it wasn't that far off. Oh, y'all came from New York? Yeah. Oh, how was that? How was that show? That was good. That was the first time with our new stage. So we got like this big stage that looks like a castle. So it was um, it was a bit of like we learned a lot <laughs> about like uh, what, what can go wrong. But it was it was great. It was really packed. Uh, lights looked amazing. I love the stage design. Uh, loads of people. Dude, yeah. isn't, isn't it funny? Like, we just did our event, and there were so many things I saw, like, oh, we should have done this better. Like, oh, this thing could have, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I feel like, especially if you have a tour uh, with a stage, um, you kind of learn throughout the tour what to improve. And then, like, halfway through the tour, you ha you're at, like, the spot where, okay, now we've, like, even now at all the starting problems and then you can like add on to that like oh it would be so cool if we also had this or also had that and yeah. yeah like every show is a little bit better than the last i feel like so i hope it's going to be the same for this tour i bet it's going to yeah be exactly no i mean it sounds fucking awesome um uh, for those of you guys who don't know i mean virtual ride is a sound design legend um serum mastermind <laughs> did you so so out of curiosity i mean you're obviously you know you have a career that's like i think propelled by like your t your technical expertise uh, what made you go into that like sound design direction versus like maybe some of the other you know producers who do more stuff that's like more melodic maybe let's say or, or maybe more instrument based? Um, like what drew you to that? Yeah, I think I always liked and like had an interest in engineering in general. So when I was younger, I used to have like these um, these like scientific toys where you have like a little bit of a circuit board and you mm -hmm. can like make little little basic circuits or something. I think I was like playing around with that before I even got into music at all. And um, that was like super interesting. And I probably would have gone down an engineering route if it wasn't for music at some point. Like my closest friend back then in, in school uh, is now doing engineering full time. And uh, he's probably going to be going to end up working at either Microsoft or like programming robots that assemble cars or something like he's an absolute absolute madman but um i guess that's like what started the engineering aspect then uh, started playing piano when i was six and then uh got into producing when i was 11 and then i don't know so you, wait how do you know 25 oh so you've been doing this for a long minute yeah it, it sounds like when someone asks me how long you've been producing and i say 14 years it sounds really long but i feel like the first couple of years don't count that much because it wasn't really producing it was like just trying to learn what every button does and for the first two years or something, I was basically just trying to remake Dream Theater songs that I liked in Cubase LE with free plugins. It sounded terrible. I don't have any of those anymore, sadly. Yeah. So my question is, is that uh, wait, did your um, did your parents get you into the piano lessons? Was that like before? Um, yeah. Uh, so I have an older brother and an even older sister. And uh, when I was six years old, they were having piano lessons at our house. And I was just watching them have piano lessons. And then I was six and I was just approaching my mom and I was like, oh, I want piano lessons too. Kind of just because I was that young and then your elder, older siblings are like cool and you want to mm -hmm. do whatever they do. And my mom was like, okay, all right, here you go. 
Yeah. Do you think that, okay, so I think it, you hear it maybe a lot in your music because a lot of like guys, I've seen some problems with like, because we just have such a big dubstep audience. Yeah. People might conquer a little bit the sound design, but they can't pull it together musically. But I feel like your music and melodies and stuff really make a lot of sense and like fit well with the tracks. Yeah. Do you think it comes from that or? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, a big part as well was this, uh, these three years I spent um, practicing for a organ, church organ license. So this sounds weird, but this was the only way to make money on the side back then uh, when you were like younger and I was in this tiny village so you could either distribute newspapers at 4 a.m. on a Sunday morning sucks or play the church organ on a Sunday morning cool when you can already play piano but for them to be able to pay you legally you need to have an official organ player license so I started going to this course where you had to go for three years with an exam at the end to get the license and then they could pay you and that whole course was just 99% music theory but it was really helpful. Like the final exam was a polyphonic, uh, like dictative of, of, of eight bars of music. You had mm -hmm. to like write down just by ear. That was super sick. So Damn. that helped me just as much as the 10 years of piano leading up to that. Yeah. So, there, so there's a lot of stuff before even going into like heavy production. I mean, especially yeah. dubstep and all that, that I think kind of built, it sounds like. Yeah, damn, three years for a, a organ. Yeah, all the all the old stuff as well as like it's terribly produced. All the old stuff on SoundCloud, like the further you go back, I think the first upload is from eight years ago or nine years ago. But it's still very like very musical because I would just play stuff on the piano and then just have the MIDI or, or and then work with that. So I would always just start songs from from a piano piece or something or from jazz. Yeah. So I think I was looking at an interview. You're from a real small town. Yeah. Like nothing like what we see Atlanta, LA, or something. You want to talk about like kind of your your hometown and where you kind of came from? Yeah, I think you said yeah. you said something. I think it might have been that sidewalk talk interview about having more cows than. You said something mm. like that, having more cows and people in town. Yeah, if you if you just like drive around and it takes you a half an hour to get to the next village over. I don't know how it compares to like, for example, where uh, Willie grew up, barely alive. Uh -huh. He came up from like Great Barrington in Massachusetts. I don't know how the size compares. I've never been there, but mm -hmm. maybe it feels like the same kind of deal. Interesting. Middle of nowhere kind of. So thing. you would you'd never think a beast dubstep producer is going to be coming out of that town. I don't know. Sometimes it's just sometimes that helps if you're in the middle of nowhere for like. The creative, the creative well, inspirational spark. I don't know if you're like in the middle of nowhere. I mean, listen to Culprit, for example. Like his music just sounds like uh, what you would come up with if you live like in the middle of depressing England or something. I don't yeah. know. His music sounds like rainy and foggy, but like it has like this also because there's like nothing else to stimulate you that much. You need to do that yourself. Yeah. So your music becomes way more stimulating that way. And then here, if you're in, I don't know, if you're in a busy city, maybe it like counter, it's a little so, counterproductive yeah. to that. So it can be good to be far away from everything. What, what kind of music were you first like putting out there? Um, like what I was making? Yeah. First? Like in the early, like I'm talking like, when did you start putting out music first? Because if you started when you were yeah. 11, when did you start like, okay, I'm going to upload this to the internet see what happens? I think I had a MySpace when I was 14. Oh, shit. <laughs> Under a different name. Uh, it was Key Generator because of like all the software cracks <laughs> from back in the so, Yeah. And Key Generator music being like chiptune music and I like chiptune a Dude, lot. I love chiptune. Like, have you seen the people with the Game Boys who like hack the game, old school Game Boys? Yeah, and they yeah. Like, There's like the LSDJ cartridge, right? Dude, where you can like... Uh, dude, the first time I saw my friend pull out one of those, it was like yeah. his apartment stoner friends. He's like, dude, look at this thing. And he was like yeah. making music on it. And I was like, dude, right? what? There's like modified ones where it's like an uh, RCA output on the bottom of them uh, and stuff. So that's uh, super cool. I think Lee must die. He does that a lot when he's 
he's on like long train rides or something like 90 percent of his songs started as a game boy song really like uh, gem shards is like there's like a game boy version of it that is the original version of the song and it's so cute it sounds Damn. so great i love it um, must be a lot of work though because it's like it's basically like working in it's kind of in, frustrating in, looking like the way it's, it's like designed. it's like those old tracker programs where you had to, where it was like just scrolling down these programming steps and, uh -huh. and on every every step would be like a 16th note or a 32 mm -hmm. note and then it would just like scroll down and on, in every spot it would say exactly which note is triggered at what yeah. velocity and it, just, it would just look horrible but Wait, I so, guess it had its charm I never worked with a program yeah. like that but. so what, what was the first tracks you remember putting out um, on the and did they do the well? Space, it was or on even on YouTube, yeah, YouTube at the same time. Like I had a different channel. It was just stuff. <laughs> it was really weird. It was like kind of rocky a little bit because I grew up on on like Dream Theater and Spock's Beard, so progressive rock and progressive metal, um, but all very melodic. So that was kind of what I was trying to do. And I, my brother helped me pick the first MIDI keyboard for me, and we made sure it was one that also had sounds it was like a little bit of like a live mm -hmm. keyboard or like a rompler it was a cork x50 um i think lincoln park use it for their live shows as well so it has like a bunch of sounds like everything from like all pianos guitars basses xylophones but they're all kind of shitty but at least it has a lot so i would use all of those to try to write songs by First recording the MIDI, then cleaning up the MIDI, then sending the MIDI back into the thing and recording the audio out of the keyboard and then make a song like that. Into Cubase? Yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah, like Cubase LA4 or something at the time. Sadly, a few, like, oh, the, the uploads of those are all gone because someone hacked my old YouTube, like, not with no malicious intent. It was just, like, suddenly every thumbnail was replaced by a Russian porn thumbnail or something. Like, really? it was probably some bot who did that. Um, but I still have the songs from back then. Maybe Dang. I'll yeah post them somewhere. somewhere. No, that's that's interesting. So so at what point in your career did you start like you would say like taking off? Like what was the first song? I, I, I'm because I'm not sure the early stage. Yeah. Were you just still just releasing loans? Things were taking off, or was it not until? Um, I think what uh, helped a lot was uh, energy drink and idols like the idols mashup those mm -hmm. two were definitely like bigger spikes up until then it was like starting to get a little bit better i the, like the first releases were on like quote-unquote releases on phantom hertz recordings or something uh which i only found because i googled dubstep label and went through a list on wikipedia and picked one that i liked that's and emailed the guy and he was like yeah sure <laughs> and they they made they've made artworks for the releases that were pretty cool uh, to be fair and then i just uploaded the stuff to youtube and then slowly that got like the first the first ep had like 5000 views maybe 10000 views on one song and then the next one had like 30000 or 40000 and then i just started uploading stuff not releasing it on label anymore just like uploading shit on soundcloud and youtube and then eventually like the complex stuff took off a little more yeah, it's crazy. How, how did those, because uh, I know it's probably a lot different now. How did it feel back then to get those 40,000 views or even five or 10,000? Was it crazy? You were like, it was, that was, it was super sick. I would read every comment. Uh, I still do. Like whenever I, uh, a new track comes out, I just love like going on SoundCloud and looking at every single comment pop up while the song plays. Cause it's like what makes it all worth it. A little yeah, bit yeah. And motivates me to keep going. So yeah. I, no, no, yeah. Always appreciate any amount of views. Because even, even for like cinematics, I still remember like making the post that's like, yeah, we just got 10,000 likes on our page. Like, you know, thanks so much. And then yeah. just seeing now, it's like, oh shit, it's oh, coming right. away. Uh, yeah, the other day I scrolled back on the Facebook timeline on my Facebook page to like the early beginnings where I would post like, oh, I built the Skrillex logo in Minecraft. Four likes. <laughs> 
Watch that. That post yeah. blows up. Now everybody goes back to it and, yeah. and starts popping back. And there's been some funny stuff like that, by the yeah. way. Of like, I think it like was like every year someone comments on the same picture and then everyone goes back. Yeah, to but no, there's been some blow ups like Coca Cola. Like yeah. some guy quit his job, but he had like the Coca Cola fan page access to it or something. Oh. So like the day before he quits, he posts something goofy, like some yeah. sort of stupid oh, shit. Sweet. But then it, Coke doesn't know it's like way down their timeline. So then like I remember like everybody commented on this thing and they just fucking blew up and it just made them look so bad. But it's like, what can you do? You know? <laughs> Um, no, that's pretty crazy. So, um, getting good at sound design. All right. I want to tackle this entire journey because I think that sound design, especially a lot of guys in EDM, especially want to make fucking, I think dubstep first off and like a lot of those heavier sound design based genres are, I mean, you can kind of give your uh, two cents on it, but I think it's a lot harder than other genres. Like the barrier to entries, like you better, you know, work your face off for four years and not even, you know what I'm saying? Really think about releasing stuff. So you don't talk about like the journey to getting good at sound design. Cause I think that, you know, you have all this like kind of stuff you were getting good at the organ, you know, music theory playing with, you know, mm-hmm. Cubase and all that. Then where, where does the point, how did your sound design journey look at the beginning? Like what got you into it? Um, I think, so I tried to understand sound design with the first plugins I had already, but I hadn't barely any clue. Like it took me, probably the first four years to figure out what a cutoff and a resonance knob do or something like that was from age let's say 11 to 15 <laughs> like by the by the age of 15 i like slowly understood oh, okay this is kind of what that does and oh okay all right i would i would like dive into the menu on the cork x50 and try to figure out if i can like make sounds with that but it was all sample based so that was a bit hard um and yeah um eventually i think even uh, yeah, around the time I got into proper sound design with Massive, I also bought a Nordrack 2, which is like the, the rack version of a Nordly 2, the, uh-huh. the um, red synthesizer from Klavia. And um, it is not an analog synth, but it has the same setup. It's digital, but it's like basically like an analog synth. There's like three oscillators and you have filters and, and, and modulators and everything. And luckily, it came with a great manual that explained the basics of everything really well, like a little like university paper almost it was sick it was really cool and super helpful and after that i was like oh cool so massive is kind of just like that as well just a little more complex and then still massive had like so many secrets that i had no idea what they did at the time like oh what what is a com filter like why does it sound so weird why can't i get it to make do anything different because i had like no idea how that shit worked uh yeah it was very much just trial and error at that point and always just always just like trying to guess what something does until I find a plugin that shows it to me visually or I actually look it up. Uh, yeah. Well, that's how I felt about Serum. <laughs> Serum was like, oh, God, this is like it's so much easier in terms of like yeah. understanding it, just visually being able yeah. to see it versus having to like kind of be a little bit blind. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Versus solely on the ears. That, that helps a lot. That's, yeah. that's right. So it sounds like you got you got. So how was it when you got like your hands on Serum? Was it like all of a sudden it became a whole nother world because you're coming from like, yeah, the people who are good at massive and yeah. all that kind of stuff were great. That's like Drew. Drew's a classic that type, you know, got yeah. good at massive. And all of a sudden Serum came. I was like, oh, sweet. Yeah. Know? No. When Serum came, I already I was deep into massive like at the time i put out like i did so many massive preset packs back then for like another company um that sold really well on loop masters and so i was really well really good at massive at that point and then serum was just like everything i dreamt of Mm -hmm. at that point and just 
like yeah i think i bought it a week after it came out oh really like, so you're... i somehow somewhere somewhere i saw it and i immediately got it and i was just like yes this is exactly everything everything i wanted from massive like on, on top of massive at that point so yeah that was that was just great yeah no that's awesome how did uh i mean you're so you're the kind of producer who's not just putting out music but kind of going hard at youtube specifically right yeah i need to uh, i need to upload more there dude <laughs> i think I used that channel in a while well dude the thing is that everything you post pops he's shaking his head over is that was that a yes confirmation <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. dude i mean everything you're posting is popping you know what i'm saying it's not like those producers who watch it aren't like ticket buyers because they yeah. they love coming to the shows they're in the front row you know yeah. what i'm saying um did how, how do you look at things like youtube is it you think helping your career a lot do you like bounce those things it, i mean it definitely it has helped me up until now a lot i think youtube is the place uh, also um where i have the most followers overall mm -hmm. in terms of like i think soundcloud is at three hundred thousand right now but youtube is even a little bit more in terms of the subscribers but i should be posting more i know one day uh, like a while ago i made a text file where i just like wrote down lots of video ideas like for like a couple of episodes of studio times about different topics and stuff and i was all about like yeah let's get those recorded but i just could not find the time yeah. at all between touring and making music and everything and i really want to do that at some point like a proper series of videos because then i go on youtube and i watch other tutorials and i watch like andrew huang uh -huh. i'm like that's so sick i love how he does that how it's like super captivating and entertaining and then every time i watch an andrew huang video i'm like i want to do that again damn it yeah dude i think it's so good man just yeah. because like so here's my like a lot of great teachers you know mm. sometimes are like decent producers they're not necessarily the best but they do great for the beginner market likes to watch yeah but when you got somebody at your skill level if you put side, like effort into like trying to be a great creator as well i think it's like the holy grail of 20 you know 2020 2019 strategy you know um yeah put out more by the way if you guys are watching this we're getting him to do it now while he's here blasting <laughs> through videos showing yes. off all the secret sauce For, force me force me to do it yeah well dude the way i look at it is is that at least you're playing the game there's a lot of like music people who only rely on the music and i yeah. think that like i mean i mean i can get your take on this but i think like that like, that's kind of weak when video is such a big factor you know yeah and just video being such video and personality playing such a big role in your brand yeah you know yeah like no like worries. like for example i tell people like there's some people who maybe never heard your song but they hear your story on this and this video piece of a conversation becomes like a gateway drug to the to the yeah. music itself you know what yeah, i'm saying exactly. that's that's cool i see that yeah so i don't know i just think more th dude you know what you need to do that would be really fire dude you don't even need to like make content you just need to do your own thing and just get a full-time camera dude yeah who like, like just hovers behind me dude <laughs> i'm serious time. man like so so i learned that from gary v this fucker like just documents fucking everything yeah, and then you just do like a highlight reel out of like of, or well it's their job to post-produce yeah, like right now, all we're doing is documenting a conversation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We're not kinda, working. Kind of like Jazz Davis with Will Smith. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You just do your thing. Because like you got to think, man, like like people not only want to hear a song, but but like I, I, I was talking to What's So Not about this the other day. It's like also thinking about the different situations people consume you, right? So one of those might be, uh, uh, for example, when I go to eat, I actually watch mm -hmm. something. I always watch some YouTuber yeah, or somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody does it, right? Yeah. So like, you know, when there, somebody's going to go work out or listen to music, they might be have you on their mind. But then mm -hmm. all of a sudden, what about when they're going to go eat? They yeah. want to pop on like a, a video version of that. Yeah, true. And then sometimes it's like, uh, 
they're not always looking for music. Sometimes they're in the car. They're actually just trying to listen to a podcast. So yeah. maybe they want to hear like, you know, uh, the audio version of your little vlog or something. Just want to listen yeah, exactly. to shit. Dude, people love I, hearing I that stuff, is, man. I see why this is like the perfect middle ground then because you've got like the video and the audio kind of, you can, so you can choose oh. how you want to consume this. Right? Oh, podcast kind of is holy idea. grail. Pod, because you get video, you get the audio, and then yeah. I get Instagram, I get like 400 Sweet. clips from yeah, this little thing. I see that. Dude, we, we're gonna. Dude, we gotta get him on on the full documentation. Yeah. Oh, I gotta make like a plan for next year and see. Dude, you, right. pe people. <laughs> yo, if you guys are. No, I know. Right now, whatever whatever videos you guys want from Virtual Riot, please comment. He will read them and hopefully go yeah. make them. Not more tracks. But they, try me tracks are good too. I mean, I'm not saying they're bad. Yeah. I just think doc even live streaming, man. Live streaming. Yeah, yeah. I've been. I started to like if I live stream on YouTube, I started to then just like post it on the channel so that it's up there for people to watch later on, and then. Like, it's not edited that well, so people in the comments will post, like, time dude. marks to, like, good spots or something, but yeah. I should, yeah, no, I've, that I've, was edited. Dude, I've seen, like, there. ripped live streams of yours go to, like, 100,000 views. Yeah, yeah. And that, I'm like... Keeps yeah. happening. No, that's, that's great. Though, I love that. Yeah. So, um, Atticus, so you've been, you, you know, you've had a bunch of great collabs and stuff. Uh, who have you been in the studio with that you're like, man, this guy or girl is fucking amazing? Like, like you've been really impressed by, like, is there anybody that stands out? Um, obviously, Skrillex. Because uh, he is just incredibly fast and amazing to look at when he produces. Because he is just in like his intuition is insane. Really? Uh, yeah. It's it's I haven't I've never seen that with anyone anyone else. That's really like very different from anyone else. Is the process different from like your process? It's just way more intuitive. Like he'll just throw stuff in and then immediately make it sound like it belongs in the song. Like everything is with a lot of intention. Mm. It's less, um, you know, how when when you're like in the mood for, oh, I'm making, I'm gonna make a cool rhythm tune, and then you just spend like an hour in serum trying to make a cool sound. And then uh, you kind of try to shape like this random idea you have in your head. And eventually you'll find something. Oh, this is a cool rhythm now. This is a cool sound. And then you go from there and slowly build it. For him, it's it feel like it's way faster where it's just like, I don't know where he gets his ideas from. But I mean, it has to come. I think maybe maybe coming from different, making so many different fucking genres. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because then, then he's seen like the best options in this genre mm -hmm. of music and dubstep and more of like the pop style music. Yeah. And eventually it's like, oh, you know, it's more pulling stuff out that's already there. You what know, it's, what it's definitely taught me was to um, disregard mixing and sound design when you're in the songwriting mood or mm -hmm. in the songwriting headspace to not get hung up on something that'll like stop the creative process of like laying out your track. And yeah. then later on, you go back and then you start mixing stuff and maybe uh, making some sounds. But yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's one of the things I want to ask you. So like, how do you split up? Because I see in your videos, you're talking about yeah. pulling in like your sound design session separate. So like you might yeah. do a sound design session, but when you're going to make the song, you're just dragging yeah. stuff you already made. You want I to talk? I try that. But I also still get lost in like, I'll be working on something and for half an hour, it's like growing and growing. And then it's like, oh, and now I want a sound that does this. And then I'll be stuck there for three hours <laughs> just yeah. because it has to be exactly that way. This still happens. That's fine. Um, usually you can get out of that afterwards. There's some techniques you can do which can force you to make sure you're not get stuck in something like that where you set yourself a timer like mm -hmm. on, let's say, 10 minutes. And after 10 minutes, you have to stop working on whatever you're working right now and move to a different element mm -hmm. or like add something to the bit you've been working on so that you don't get stuck in something. So mm -hmm. that's kind of nice. No, that's a pretty cool takeaway is how important is doing uh, for somebody trying to get to like your style of music, I would say, because there's a lot of people going to go in that direction. How important is like uh, just focusing on sound design versus like creating music? You know, because I think that 
I, I'm just guessing they need yeah. to be a little separate. Like Drew was like that, especially just doing hard sound design sessions. Yeah. You know? Um. Ah, it's hard. I mean, I've always think a good idea is better than like it's the idea matters mm -hmm. rather than a crazy sound that I don't know is like mildly different from another or 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 that you've spent hours on. I think it's always bad if you have to explain someone why it's cool what you made. Oh, yeah. So if you have to explain to them, oh, I made the sound this and that way, and it was like really hard, and it's like this weird technique with these two filters and so on and so on and so on. That doesn't matter if it's not a cool track, kind of. Yeah. In no, the exactly. end, a little bit. Like, it's it's cool from the engineering standpoint, and lots of other people can learn from it if you share what you did in the preset and so on and so forth. But if you want to, like, if you wanted to release a song, then you, yeah. Those are just all the sound design is just tools for you to then ultimately create a better create a better song. Do, do you think a lot of newer producers are missing that idea part? Because I, I, from sound design, I hear a lot of people like trying to put in the right sounds. For example, just using let's say cymatics or even your sounds, yeah. but not understanding the context of like making it sound good, like the feeling. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like your music though, you've added a lot yeah. of like feeling to it still. I feel like I, I mean the the impression that there's more of that where people just like glue sounds together or samples together comes just from the fact that it's more accessible to everyone and everyone has like good performing laptops slowly so there's just more of that naturally happening uh hmm but yeah that's a hard topic man yeah i mean i just see so many producers who are kind of like one it's specifically in like the dubstep side of things because yeah. it's so funny hip-hop way different scene like those guys like for example uh you talk about like a melody loop in edm mm -hmm. and people like religiously want to like kill you because they're like don't use that no yeah. you make everything from scratch hip-hop guys are like fuck yeah i get you know what i'm saying great yeah, melody exactly. loops and stuff because it's just, it's the, the heart of it comes from a sample based thing mm -hmm. sample based culture yeah i'm more on that i'm more on that side i like that more actually i'd like that more yeah. too i think I, I was in i had this phase <laughs> for like a bit when serum came, like after serum came out where i was like i have to make everything from scratch like in my songs like the kick the snares the hi-hats everything's got to be like self-made for some reason i don't know why i thought that um but <laughs> it, it was it was helpful because then i learned how to make kicks and snares and hi-hats like i spent mm -hmm. the day trying to make hi-hats from scratch so i actually googled how an 808 makes a hi-hat and how the oscillators are set up and like what the circuit looks like mm -hmm. and i try to rebuild that with an fm synth with fm8 or citrus and it actually worked i had i got a full like uh, open 909 out of it that sounds exactly like a 909 just by a uh, complete fluke i didn't try to like replicate any exact settings but that was super cool so it helped me to like, learn a little bit of that again but then i noticed how i was limiting myself a lot with that and yeah yeah, and there's still a way to if you if you find a melody loop or something that you like, and you throw it into your track to still make that your own. So you think that's a bad stigma that the EDM community has a little bit? Yeah, yeah, I think it's huge right now. Especially like your audience and my audience probably are the culprits of thinking that. Actually, I would say. Yeah, I know. I guess I was like, uh, like it's a, was a little bit of my fault as well at some point because when I was like on the whole, oh, you have to make everything yourself trip. Like I guess maybe I portrayed this image of you have to make everything yourself. So then everyone yeah. thought, ah, oh, better not use any like melodic loops or something. 
Yeah. But then now I'm making sample packs and it's like, hey, but use but use my stuff. <laughs> so I don't want to I don't want to be this hypocrite yeah. <laughs> where it's like, oh, don't make everything yourself, but also buy my shit. Yeah. Uh, so all right. So when it comes to like packs or even sounds in general, um, is there any tips you have for people want to make EDM and stuff for just getting a better ear for sample selection? Because I mean, your mix is fire, and I know that a lot of people aren't even working with the right types of sounds. Is there anything that you might have for like sample selection, like stuff you're looking mm. for, good kicks, good snares? Ha, huh. yeah. Good sample packs are hard to find. <laughs> um, uh, I can get religious about sample packs because, uh, like, back in the day when I, I, re I remember when I bought my first sample pack. No, um, I was on Loopmasters back then, and um, BHK was putting out all the Rough Connections packs, and I think the BHK Fidget pack was the first one I bought. That was so cool because it was like Fidget House. And it sounded really cool and all the bass noises and all the BHK Roth Connections packs were like drum and bass packs, but they sounded like Noisia level at the time. Like that was when Noisia brought, put out Stigma like around that time period. Uh -huh. And all the sample packs on Loopmaster sounded like that, had like the same quality. And there were some like really, uh, really creative ones too, like the slow motion one, Tokyo Soundscapes that I'm still using, which is like very timeless because it's just, you can use it for any kind of genre and stuff. And it's well produced. It has its own flavor, like its own style. It's almost like, it's almost like a, an album, like a mu music yeah. piece. It's like it's it's that one is literally a piece of art. And there's no other pack I've ever seen like that. So I really I, I miss packs that are like that, where it's like they're really useful. They have like their own style, but also like they don't color your songs that way that it sounds so like oh he's only used that one pack. And it's like and it also brings something new to the table. Yeah. So, something we've been so doing a lot that fine. that I saw like you guys are kind of doing more too instead of like so we used to have a team of like 40 guys who all work on it they're all like veteran producers and stuff like great producers yeah. all work and contribute stuff now what, what Drew's doing is he just built out that whole studio and it, like it, instead of getting like something random set online because the synergy is not as good there yeah. we just bring in the guy you know instead of oh, some yeah. guy sending in loops it's like fuck it let's just hire the guitar the professional guitarist for a couple of hours or like grammy nominated yeah, pianist sweet. because the grammy nominated pianist is going to dominate the producer drawing in little shit you know yeah. what i'm saying yeah exactly and that's, that's just one cool. thing for us that we've kind of been fucking around with and it it, it kind of is like we're trying to go from mm. like the uh sample pack company to more of like the omnispheres and the like high-end contact libraries because oh, they're yeah i don't know kind of interesting hit me up when you're doing that i've been uh, learning contact scripting for, oh really like for like years back when I was 17 or 18, I got deep into it and um, I made some contact instruments that are uh, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> dude, <pl> <laughs> With like my own custom scripts and stuff, but yeah. I've never sold them anywhere. Dude, I think, uh, well, the cool thing about contact is at least you can get the free player and then you can make something cool because yeah. one thing for like Serum, even if you're selling Serum sounds, people have to have Serum. And I know you can, you know, get yeah. off splice for yeah, exactly. bucks, but there's still like a barrier to entry. Mm -hmm. um, but and with contact, you can get the free player. Yeah, so you get a bigger market yeah. to play with your sounds. Exactly. No, that's cool. Um, absolutely. I, I made some. I made some cool. Uh, some cool instrument for contact one time. Like it, it wasn't sold or anything. It was just for myself. But that was really cool. I was at a um, recording studio in Berlin where I did an internship, and I just had most of the day for myself, and I could just do whatever I wanted. So they gave me a studio room. And then one day I wanted to sample like a frying pan that sounded really cool. Uh -huh. But I was like, hmm, I want to do like multi, like the multi-layer sampling with like the velocities and everything yeah. in context. So I recorded 10 velocities, but then also 10 round robins. So a hundred samples of just the same exact frying pan. 
And then like I sorted them kind of by ear and then dragged them all in and uh, spread them out. And then the pitch up and down is just like the internal contact pitching algorithm, like yeah. Time Machine Pro 2 or something. Uh -huh. But it sounds so sick because even if you hit the same key at the same velocity 10 times in a row. Oh, you're saying round robin as yeah, if. It, it always triggers a different sample. So even for like for, for the same velocity, there are 10 different variations. So it sounds absolutely natural. It sounds like a really good Omnisphere patch. Yeah. And no, it's not that big. It's like 50 megabytes or something. And it's just this one object. So you can do that with anything that has a remote harmonic sound to it. You yeah. can just go and deep sample it yeah. like 100 times. And then you have this super detailed sounding instrument out of that. Yeah. See, that's that's the shit that's been... So we've been doing all the studio sessions. Eventually, it's leading up to like, okay, let's just build our own plug-in yeah. and then do it that way. Because I think it's just... I mean, there's a lot more potential. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, plus, you still can have the cool like sample loops and stuff, but then just having that that layer—that's pretty cool. You did that with the frying pan, though. Yeah, that worked. You can do it with like uh, anything: pans, pots, glasses. Yeah, or... pianos. People do it like barely tap it. Yeah. No, that's that's uh, that's definitely interesting. Do you have a uh, so maybe switch topics a little bit? Touring. Yeah. Um, so so you probably got you probably see some of the craziest fucking crowd people. Because people breaking that rail, yeah. doing all kinds of like craziness. Um, what is maybe like the, the craziest moment on stage? Let's do good and bad. So like good, like a moment where you're like, man, this is all, I can't believe I'm doing this. And then yeah. also like a moment that's like, this person's trying to attack me on stage or something. Oh God. Yeah. I, oh yeah. Um, good, good moments were, um, for example, uh, I loved the show in um, Bangkok I had with... Um, who else was there? Willie, Barely Live, um, Dirty Phonics, and yeah, and me. And um, so they were, it was really packed. It was like 1,500, 2,000 people. And they broke the rail, tipped all the pieces over and sat on them. And the security was just like not caring at all. Like, you know how usually like at some concerts, they're like, oh, step back. Like, don't be so rough. And yeah, they're like yeah. super freaking out. And there they were just like, okay, now that you broke it, what are you going to do? <laughs> like people were just sitting on the pieces. No one was like storming the stage or anything. They were just like, oh, all right, no, damn it. <laughs> We've got nothing to hold on to anymore. Okay, that's kind of that's kind of bad. But it was really cool. It looked, it looked super sick because everything was just like in pieces that's in, crazy. in the front row. And security was just standing there like, okay, we've never seen anything like this. We don't know what to do. But if you're enjoying this, have fun. That was yeah. super fun. What's, uh, what, what was like a, uh, was, it, was that good or bad? That was good. That was good. Or, or, or this, there was this other show. That was a while ago, like three years or something. I don't know where that was. It was called Internet 2.0. And this guy, Onyx the Fortuitous, did a speech before my set, which was sick. And it was really cold. And it was outside. I was, I was wearing a jacket while I was DJing. And at some point, just like 20 people were dancing on this like little... Uh, area in front of the stage mm -hmm. and it was great because it was like so cold and <laughs> there was like a little fire pit in the center it was super nice it was just a great ambience overall no one was like chasing anyone off the stage because everyone was just like having really family friendly fun yeah no <laughs> I that's love that that was super cool what's the uh what's the biggest crowd that you played for because i see you played for some really big ones especially at festivals and I'd stuff i'd say bass rush massive that was pretty big yeah, the one in San Bernardino before Excision. Yeah, I think it was 20,000. 20, like 20, I was going to say Rampage. And, oh, and Rampage. Oh, yeah, that was like, that's around the same number, right? Was that like a surreal moment to just see that many people? 
like jamming out to your music yeah that's that was huge i got so nervous i said the wrong words on the mic what, you, <laughs> yeah. what, 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 what happened uh we at the time we signed uh we had panda eyes signed to our label like he was just like we just signed him he was like a new guy and then Rossi was like, yo, grab the mic and like announce it. So because he was on stage too. And so I took the mic and I was like, yo, make some noise for a new newest member, Diamond Eyes. <laughs> oh, and then like I was still I still had the mic and I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> and like you could hear it like on the live stream on TV and like everywhere. And I was just like, oh my god, I'm just I'm just oh, dying in shame now. That was that was that was great. They're that was probably <laughs> but <laughs> um yeah. That's that's crazy. <laughs> Is it, uh, what, what do you think about those big crowds versus like a smaller, more intimate one? What, what's, what do you like better? It depends. Like, it really depends. Like for both can be amazing fun. There's definitely a different dynamic sometimes when it's a bigger crowd, uh, like when it's a bigger crowd you can't do like i feel like you can't do like very like i don't know intimate doubles or chops where it's like oh yeah it's like this one really out of the way rhythm tune with this other one and they work really well together and i found this mix up at home and then like if you're in a 300 people club where everyone is like basically staring at the deck sort of people are gonna go way more crazy if you do like some some cool doubles or chops mm -hmm. and then if it's like a huge crowd and no one can see your decks and everyone's really far away that doesn't have as much of an impact but then again the dynamics a little bit different you have to like play the whole set out a little different like with with bigger crowds i feel like it's more of building more about building tension for a longer time while in like a smaller club uh you can you can be a little more experimental a yeah. little more avant-garde like try out a bit more yeah i like both i think no, both is really fun that's cool did you you played at lost lands right not this year, dude. Lost Hands, fucking that's play, that thing's getting huge, man. I was I was watching the live stream on on YouTube. Um, that was super fun, actually. I was in the chat on the on YouTube, uh -huh. in, like the Lost Lands live stream chat with my official account, and like talking to people, and that was really nice. And then at some point, um, the stream audio started to get really like broken. I don't know what was happening. Like one of the channels was cutting out and mm -hmm. stuff. And I knew someone who was working the main stage there. So I just texted him from my couch, like, hey, the stream audio is broken. He was like, yeah, all right, I'll radio them and let them know. And I was like on the chat, I was like, guys, I'm fixing it. I know someone. And then actually like it got fixed immediately and everyone was like, whoa, you did it. And I was like, oh shit, that might've actually worked. But then every time from that, there on out when something was wrong with They're the like, stream, everyone was like, Val, where are you? Can you text your friend? So I was like, okay, cool. This is great. <laughs> Helping out, yeah. <laughs> that's just like yeah, yeah. That's crazy, dude. The um, dude, the entire EDM like festival scene is kind of crazy where it's like come from. I remember like going to my first festival. Was it uh, Tomorrow World? I don't know. Like as an attendee. Yeah, as like an attendee, yeah. and I was just seeing that. And I was like, what is this world? You I know never, what I'm saying? I never got to go to a festival like as a festival goer. Have you been? Have you been at all still, or you just go play and? and I, now I'm just playing. I've never been to like I go to a show if my friends are playing and we just want to like hang out and support your homies, you know. But like in the crowd or in like backstage? In backstage mostly. You gotta get like, the crowd, man. The crowd's way way more hype. Yeah. No, I I used to do that more. Now it's like getting a little harder. No. Yeah, I get to it. To enjoy yourself in the crowd, but it's fine. Um, no, but like when I was younger, I like when I was like 15 or 16, I, I wanted to go to like metal shows because I was still like into into heavy metal and, and screamo and shit. But I was too young to go to those shows in Germany. Like we had some big festivals like Rock'em Ring or, or Wacken. Uh -huh. But I was too young to go. And then when I was old enough to go, I was already into more electronic music. Uh, but for that, we didn't have that many festivals. I think the only th the only place I went were, was one Skrillex show in Germany and one Bolzhaus show. 
before I started playing at both house like my first shows and then i have never been to like a show interesting anymore, i think i think there's always a funny dynamic the fact that producers are practicing this skill yeah but essentially their career sometimes is based off a completely different skill like like yeah. djing and playing music is almost completely different than you know sitting in fr oh, yeah. or ableton or some, something like that yeah i never really wanted to dj quote unquote but it was like a necessity at some point so it's just like all right okay tractor and and, and a controller and then eventually that was too much of a hassle to carry around with me and to switch it up every time before other DJs. So yeah, switch to DJs and then that's what, what was, uh, how'd you get your first gigs? Like what was your first gigs like? Um, the very, very, very first gig was in like a slightly larger city close to my hometown for 50 bucks. And I didn't even have a laptop. So I brought my tower PC screen, keyboard, mouse, MIDI controller, <laughs> all set up. It looked like it was going to be a network party, like I was going to play Counter-Strike. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really stupid. And only my friends came, like 20 people or something. And then the guy after me was playing only vinyl. And he was looking at me like, what the heck is this kid doing here? Uh, so that was that was just an exercise. And then the next show was uh, sold out Bolt's house. <laughs> Main floor. Oh, was that? Was there a lot of people? Yeah, it was like fifteen hundred people. Or Holy shit! And because um, that was like, I was talking to the owner before, and he was like, "Yeah, oh, your shit's cool. Like your music's nice. We 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 can like we maybe we'll like book you as an opener." And then he called me one day, and I was in Düsseldorf, like the, the next city over, and he was like, "Yo, Doctor P didn't make his flight, and we have Eptic figure, and we need one more to like replace Doctor P." And he was like, "Do you want to play? Do you have your controller with you?" And I was like, "I have my laptop, but not my controller." And he was like, oh, "Come in." ways we can make the cdjs work as midi controllers so it came in early we set it all up it worked <laughs> when we set it up when i started playing it stopped working after like five minutes or so um and then for 55 minutes i played with my trackpad in tractor just like using my mouse to move the, the <laughs> faders around which was really shitty but i was on so much adrenaline in that moment was it i hype? did not care That's it was great like only only like i guess maybe 10 people in the front saw what i was doing That's so funny. they were like not not approving <laughs> that but because like both houses like little little uh older uh clean tail like people who actually look uh at, at like what the dj is doing yeah and like they like it if someone's like spinning vinyl i guess as well so a guy using his trackpad and what the fuck's this guy the, doing the worst well, wait, it was still it was still really cool wait, did people know you at that point or was it just a, no. through a connection no not at all oh damn you still got that show yeah just i just got really lucky what do you what do you think newer producers need to do to kind of get their first gig or like how should they approach their career and that like because a lot of guys are in their bedroom right now in our audience yeah. especially like how do they get their first gig and, and should they be aiming for that or should they just go online i feel like now it is way different and you can probably do a lot more if you for example live streamed you a dj said that you're like you like you djing at home and you live stream it or something like if if i had to start again now that's what i would try mm -hmm. i don't know if that's the right way to go but yeah yeah just because so many people if you, like if you don't have any like personal connection to anyone who is working at some sort of venue where you might get your foot in the door i try that i don't know yeah no i think that'd be good we need to get Rossi over here on an episode. This is what we're going to cover. <laughs> Hopefully we get him on. Yeah, we'll is, see. We'll see. I think he's liking it. You know what we need to do? We need to do 15 minutes and we'll just talk. And if we don't like it, we'll scrap it. <laughs> yeah. He's really trying to get you in on this today. Oh, yeah. Might as well. I mean, dude, it's a, it's a convo. You know what I'm saying? It's so easy. Yeah. Like, we're just talking about random shit. Need some alcohol. I might say yes. Need some alcohol. We got that. Some guests require that. What you got? Son took a couple sips. What do you... What you got? What do we got? Jordan? 
sell it. He's looking for liquor. He's Germany here. I feel like he's looking for some <laughs> vodka or some. <laughs> oh man, that'd be funny. Taking we need to do an episode or somebody just taking shots like every ten minutes. Oh god, I remember. Yeah, we've had some interviews like that. I remember the Chode Gang interview. <laughs> you were like, uh, you were like, you'll pay for the shots if we all do four tequila shots each before the interview. <laughs> so it was like twelve shots of tequila in total at the Mission Cantina. Yes. That was that was great. Tequila that Tequila was... messed me up. That'd be a good video though for YouTube. Yeah, I wish we filmed that. Because <laughs> it was just it was just written out afterwards, which kind of I make a drop I make a drop sober and i I take ten shots and then make a drop. And then you just <laughs> oh, God, like do dude, a comparison. Like oh, that would go off. People would be like, dude. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Um, all right, let's see. What, what have we not talked about here? Um, oh, dude. So you're. So I think something that's always fascinating is to hear how producers really manage their like time and stuff. Especially yeah. being somebody who travels so much. Like, how do you like find time like on the road and stuff to still make good music without being so swamped by like, like the tour life draining you? You know. Um, so I bring a little speaker with me for hotel rooms too, so I don't have to work on the laptop speakers. That's kind of nice. So that's a little bit nicer on your ears. But then again, I also noticed that this little travel speaker, and I won't call out the company, but it sucks because it only plays the mids, I noticed. Really annoying. I mean, it's cool because then some people do that sometimes when they mix that they only listen to the mids, but um, all the time it's not cool. Yeah, I got, I got a Bose portable speaker because yeah. i started mpc like finger drumming for a little yeah. bit and i was like fuck yeah i'm gonna be like on the, the bose is fine the bose is stereo yeah, yeah. no no but like that one i got the lows are just like not even there oh okay it's like yeah, a pa yeah. and i'm like oh i need something else and then also what helps are really good noise canceling headphones like i disregard uh, the frequency like i disregard a flat um flat headphones for that just because you need to be able to work on an airplane. So it's loud and uh, the no only with the noise cancelling I can even manage to hear some sub because otherwise the rumble from the plane mm. is just going to drown everything out. So otherwise you can't work on a plane. There are still also plugins that help me a lot to make sure if I work on the road that it still sounds okay in a club. Let's say I'm flying to a gig and I have no way of listening to the song on, uh, on monitors before the show. Mm -hmm. There's like, for example... Um, Either obviously referencing it with other tunes or something like tonal balance control by Ozone helps me a lot because it's not it doesn't do it doesn't change anything uh, it doesn't affect your sound but it shows you like a, your um, dynamics over the frequency spectrum in comparison to other songs you've loaded in but as your reference curve you can you can load in an entire folder of songs so you can tell it to analyze like all of your F minor dubstep songs if you have them sorted like that and then it'll just give you a target curve. That is like the average dubstep curve. And if you're like somewhere in there with your track, then you know it's going to be fine mm. for that show. So that has helped me a lot to uh, work on the road. And what was that one called again? Uh, tonal Balance Control. Yeah, we'll make sure to link that It's one been up. with Ozone, with the Ozone bundle since Ozone 8, I think. And they might have updated it for Ozone 9, which is kind of, I think. Well, while we're on the topic, uh, what's your favorite go-to plugins? Hmm. Uh, Fab Filter. Just in general, if like I don't want to use the Ableton stock EQ because I need to be a little more precise or I want to use the dynamic function, that one's all, yeah, the M Fab Filter MB for DSing and for vocals lots of times. Some waves for just like the vocal chain I have right now, like the Butch Vig one is cool for vocals or the API 2500 compressor 
uh, replica I use a lot. Um, I don't know if it like if it is any good compared to the actual analog model, but I don't care. I've been using it for so long. I have like my own preset that works, so just like stuck with that now. But I like that a lot. Um, any other cool like weird mixing stuff I use? Disperser by Kilohertz is really nice. Uh, as like a weird effect for sound design to like make stuff sound a little different. And um, there's like some there's some cool ones to make stuff sound more organic. If you have like a synth patch, I think this one is like this one is less of a secret now because everyone started using it. The um, excellent audio RC twenty, mm -hmm. the retro color one to like yeah. make everything sound a little more retroy. That one's really cool. They use it in hip hop a lot. I've been using that yeah, shit ton. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 100%. They throw it on everything. Yeah. <laughs> so and oh, I loved how it has like this volume tracking for the noise part, kind of like erosion, where it adds a. Uh, white noise or whatever noise you want in depending on the input volume. And I found this plugin called Texture by Devious Machines, which does exactly that. It's like erosion on crack. Mm -hmm. So it you can add you can add in any sample and it'll play that sample on top of whatever input audio you have depending on the volume of your input audio. So you can layer any noise on top of your let's say bass and then you have a filter for that noise. So you'll be like, oh, I only want like some top end sparkle to be added. Like you'll can add the the sound of a wind chime and then it'll be added to your bass only when the bass is playing and only the high frequencies of those wind chimes so now suddenly you have this little twinkle on top that's being added to your sound it's super sick yeah love no, it that sounds awesome secret sauce right yeah. here on the cinematic show yeah. dropping it that's that's a really cool one i've been loving recently yeah. for, for sound design so, so what about dude so like you've i'm sure used to have some shittier mixes and stuff but now your mix is fucking up there with the world class i would say so like newer producers, like what do you what are you thinking? Like how how do you take your mix? How do you keep improving your mix? Like your mix specifically? Loads of referencing to other other songs. Like um, yeah, loads of listening to other tunes and then to yours again and trying to like figure figure it out that way. Also, what helped me a lot was using a matching EQ. Uh, at first, like when I was on, I don't know, I was on four or five. But there's other plugins that have matching EQs as well. I would load in, for example, a Cohen soundtrack, and then. You, and then I'd look at the matching EQ and then I notice, oh, they have like this dip here and this little bump here. So this is kind of what's wrong with my mix down right now. And uh, yeah, that would help me a lot looking through other analyzers like a stereo imager to see how wide certain things are and then trying to adjust yourself towards that a little bit helps. Listening with headphones so you get more of a feel for where stereo stuff sits. Like mostly inspiring for mix downs for me were uh, Mr. Bill and sound obviously um dude mr bill does some super interesting stuff with his music yeah i love how i love how like dry and precise his stuff is uh especially like af uh, after that uh, culprit of course like i only started listening to culprit like i don't know like a year ago i'm i was really late on that but especially on his last ep the mix downs are so good everything's so tidy it's almost too clean dude. like some of the some of the rhythm stuff right now is kind of like dirty sounding but it's also cool yeah, it sounds like that. And I also I also think that actually sticks out a little more in a live context than again, because if you like play for an hour and you play only songs that have been EQ'd and mixed and mastered the same way with like the same clean goal in mind, mm -hmm. like I could say the cleanest Zomboy mixdown, for example, then that'll sound samey overall just from the overall average frequency spectrum but if you break it up with like something that sounds a little more harsh or aggressive or trashy but still cool because it's on a big i don't know pk rig that is very like you have a little another element of excitement or surprise now yeah so i think that's actually kind of 
sick. Yeah. I mean, if it sounds a little, if it sounds bad, but good, bad. You know, it's weird. You see that happening like almost in every genre, like kind of like the over process or stuff that's too perfect. Doesn't sound as good. Yeah. I I, kind of reference it like a a boxing match. Like people care less about a professional boxing match than they do about a shitty iPhone world star fight video. Yeah. Because there's something more like real feeling to it and more human to it. You know what I'm saying? Viscerality of it. if, If that's a word. Yeah. No, I definitely, uh, I definitely would agree. Um, so out of curiosity, man, I'm trying to like really break down kind of where you are now for these people. Do you think yes. pr- production school helped? Because I think I read somewhere you went to production school, right? Yeah, I went to this university in Germany that was um, based around like pop music design mm-hmm. mostly. Um, so like every year when they would take new students, it would be like maybe four producers and then eight guitarists, 10 drummers, eight bass players, eight keyboarders. 20 singer songwriters and 25 music business people and then that would be like the whole class for that year mm-hmm. and so most of what i learned there was uh only based on band production because um like back then they weren't that deep into electronic music production now they've got loads of courses on that as well um i even like sometimes when i come back to germany i ask them like hey i'm around you guys want me to do like a little little master class or something or whatever uh so that's that's cool. Then I come around and, and, and do a little thing there. But the whole um, band recording thing, I think, was really interesting and helped me a lot as well, just to understand how actually how a microphone works physically on like an engineering level, how to record a drum kit, where to place your mics, what difference it makes, where they are, how to tune a drum kit, but also how to coach a vocalist. Like when you're in the studio with someone and you record vocals, how do you make them perform good even if they have to sing the same line for the 20th time Mm -hmm. and stuff so that was really cool like there was some psychology involved in there we also um, had to go to other classes like even the producers had to go to some music business courses so we would learn a little bit about uh, social media algorithms uh, and how distributors work and everything so that was super helpful for all of that at the same time i was still like just learning more sound design on my own at home but that whole other part was really important and very refreshing. And then on top of that, there were all these other people who were going to the university with me who were just as nerdy as me and just as like uh, as crazy about music, but in other fields. So you would learn just as much from the other students as you would from the university, I feel like. Yeah. No, I mean, dude, that sounds, that sounds awesome. Yeah. You know, that actually sounds a lot better. It was super, it was super nice. And it didn't, it was, it was pretty... Uh, cheap as well in terms of like I don't know how much you need to pay here for almost sounds like an icon a little bit yeah yeah kind of like that I like we had a huge studio all the producers could go to 24 7 we had like a little little uh little key we could go in there at all times it was like a huge mixing console there were rehearsal rooms for bands you could go in at any day in like a special building where you could be as loud as you wanted at any time of day um and it was like 80 dollars a semester Mm -hmm. for the paperwork and that was it Really? So yeah, so probably spent like maybe I don't know five hundred euros overall for Damn. three years. That sounds incredible. <laughs> and like you had access to all this stuff at all times, absolutely massive. But they had a huge entrance exam you had to go through. Oh, okay. So I think for the production course in my year they took four people. I think two hundred and fifty signed up. And you were one of them. Yeah. 
So then, like you, you sign up with like you fill out a little form, you put in you put in a CD or USB with some songs, send it in, and then they would select like forty to fifty people of those to come to the university to do a written test with mm -hmm. theory, which was actually like it was a little easier than the organ exam I did before. So that prepared me like re a lot for that. So that was again super helpful. This stupid organ thing yeah. <laughs> was like the key apparently. Coming <laughs> back something. in. Um, but then, so we do the written test, which would be like, they play a drum beat, you have to write it down by ear, or they'll play like 10 notes on a piano. They'll tell you like, oh, the first note is a C, and then they'll play like slowly. They'll play like 10 more, and you have to write down what they played. Like Damn. you can do, you can, you can do terrible on that, and they can, they might still take you. If your music's sick? Yeah, because they, after that, you also get invited to like literally a job interview with the professors there. It's literally like a job interview. So you go in there and they just ask you, where do you see yourself when you finish university here? And yeah. like, yeah, which is, it's great. Like, what do you want? What do you want to learn here? Well, so they uh, and then also they look at your past. If you've already established some sort of like artist profile, if you have an idea where you're going, if you already have a sound. So we'd have some people in our class, some singer songwriters who weren't that good at music theory. But we still have classes about that. But they already had like a little bit of an like attitude or like a little bit of an of a, of a style developed for themselves that the teachers thought was really cool and they could like build up on. So yeah, it's like it was like crazy. A very interesting way of them deciding very personally who can like profit from going to this university and and stuff. So, yeah. so do you think very selective? Yeah. No, I mean, that's sick, dude. So, like, now, it's funny. I'm getting a completely different picture of virtual right now seeing your background. You know what I'm saying? Going from literally, like, the piano to the organ yeah. to, like, the, it was the music school cue base. And now it's all rhythm. And yeah. I don't know. Well, no, I don't I know think, how that happened. So, so what do you think? Do you think newer producers should, like, not be afraid to, like, venture off into random sectors of music? Because you kind of, like, dip yeah, your feet in everything. Yeah, 100%. You learn so much more if you fail at stuff you don't know. Then if you do the same thing, you're a little safer at for over and over again. Hmm. Like if you this was this was also a great thing about the university. Like once every every semester, we'd have someone come over from some sort of music industry, like someone from Sony or someone from uh, K-pop or whatever, and then they would just be like, "Hey, we we need like these kinds of songs right now. Like we need some blues or some country or some K-pop." And then for one week, everyone would just make K-pop. And just try, like they'll we'll, we'll be given some references, and we'll just do it. And there's no grading in the end, but maybe like whoever came to the university from like the publishing will be like, oh, that's actually cool. Like we might try to like bring that out or something. Uh -huh. But everyone at the end is like a lot smarter because everyone's done something they've never done before. It's so much fun as well, just because now you get to like exploit every cliche of yeah. that genre because you've never done it before, and yeah, you've you've learned so much more. No, I think, yeah, I think that's sick. Um, I, you know, Drew does that a lot. I, dude, even like when I picked up the NPC, because I saw this yeah. guy from Atlanta who's incredible at finger drumming, I was like, dude, this is kind of cool. Because yeah. I'm really good at like, so I played a shit ton of video games, first off. That actually is where I got learned how to get good at stuff. I was really good at DDR, Guitar Hero, and every single one of those oh, games. Yeah, all the rhythm games. All the, all the games where you got to hit notes very quickly. It yeah. kind of actually taught me rhythm a little bit. Nice. So I start playing with that thing. But dude, just from learning that, I met yeah. a whole community of people I didn't realize were also producers like a huge market of people. And I'm oh, like so I glad yeah. I just had fun venturing in that yeah. thing. Or Drew, when he like buys like a pocket operator and fucks around with it. Oh yeah, I love bit. those. Yeah, I have the little calculator ones. Yeah, I have oh, yeah. those as well. Those are sick. The chiptune one is so good. Oh, that I think we do favorite. have Drew like ordered the, all of them. He the instantly... purple one, yeah, that's yeah. so sick. With rhythm games, yeah, I, I, I like rhythm games, but I felt like every time I played them, 
not not when I was in Japan. Those were sick. But when I was at home and I played them or with friends, like back in the day, I always felt like it wasn't. I was never. It never worked when I actually hit it on the beat musically, and uh -huh. I had to go fully by visual, by like when the. You must just up to the line and then you hit the. You button. must just had a jank machine. You gotta get yeah. good machines because the bad ones they'll, they'll be a little off. Yeah, like when I was when I went to Japan uh, with my girlfriend and we went to like a proper arcade there. Those were on point. That Have you played it. the virtual reality versions of those? Like Beat Saber, yes. Or something? But I haven't tried it yet, dude. We're, before you leave, I have a VR headset upstairs, dude. Oh, it's there's one where you have guns and you're in VR, and then so like yeah. you'll be playing to like a dead mouse track, but then like when the beat's hitting, you're yeah. just shooting targets to the beat. So it's like, Ooh, that but like but fun. you feel like you're in outer space, yeah. and, and I have my Yamahas hooked up upstairs, so it like fucking you can feel. Oh, that's sweet. Dude, it's okay, crazy. Yeah, man. I want to try that. That actually sounds really yeah. Cool. And if you dude, if you saw me play DDR, you'd fucking shit yourself. I'm so like, right. I, literally, I play the hardest songs on like max Sick. level. Okay, I see. I see. I don't know. Did you? Did you ever game? Did you ever game like yeah, back in the day? Yeah, a lot. What, um, what, what games were you into? Because I, I played a shit ton of stuff. Half Life Two, Portal, Portal Two, Team Fortress Two. I played a lot of Counter Strike Source when I was fourteen. Were you like going hard, like playing like seriously? Yeah, like never competitive, but I got kicked off servers because they thought I was cheating they for a while because I was just playing kind of second instead of doing homework for like a long time. Then also some MMORPG, Silk Road, never World of Warcraft. I then, played the shit out a while. <laughs> yeah, then uh, Guild Wars, Guild Wars 2, EVE Online for a while. Which was really fun as well. Which one was that? Was that the vampire? Like that the, wasn't a vampire game, was no, it? No, Eve Online is a uh, space like oh, sci-fi. Okay, okay. It's like the one where it's like everyone's on one server and it's like it's, it has like its own economy and you can like write a, a doctor's thesis about the economy of that game and shit. It's, Interesting. It's, it's like really. Is that the one where they sell planets for real money? No, that's not it. Nah. There's some MMO can, yeah. that, that a real planet in the game sold for like a million dollars in real life. Wow. Yeah, okay. I forget. I don't, I don't know. I haven't played EVE Online in a while. So when I played it, you could do like a tiny bit with planets. Maybe they expanded on that. I can see yeah. that. But yeah, it would, it, would be, it would be really intense. What I liked about it was though, you, so you had to pay monthly. But after, if you did it right after three or four months, you could pay your monthly stuff with in-game in currency yeah so yeah. that was kind of nice and also i was on this i was on the, in this like guild or like alliance as they called it with all other with all kinds of german people that was like 16 and literally every guild in this game was like 21 plus sort of just because they didn't want any kids in there yeah. but apparently they thought it was cool enough so they allowed me so i was in this team speak server with about we had like 100 members it was ventrilo you like using ventrilo back in the day or what for the uh, for, for like talking to each other i know just team speak oh, oh team speak yeah yeah, yeah. It was it was super sick though, and uh, I I started making music at the same time as well. So I posted some like sci-fi sounding drum and bass tracks on the Eve Online forums, and then for free downloads. And then people would actually give me in-game money as like a thanks. Really, like a lot at some times. So I was just like, this is sick. Dude, that's fucking hilarious, dude. I used to try and get my dude. I actually had some success on just randomly promoting tracks on uh, what was that Starcraft forum that's huge? Team Liquid. Oh, okay. Team Liquid had this random section, and if you yeah. knew how to do it correctly, you could essentially keep bumping your post on that forum, and oh, dude, sick. you could get thousands of plays or like anything yeah. just off a Team Liquid forum. Nobody would ever think so like because I played the <laughs> yeah. shit out of Starcraft. I, I played, was I played a lot of Starcraft too, but more, Starcraft two is what I played the crap out yeah, of. Yeah, more more Command and Conquer though. Back in the day, like StarCraft 2, I played a lot and through the whole campaign, but Command and Conquer, I really loved. Dude, you know what's funny? Like, I look at the music industry running business. I'm like, yeah, this is like, you know, it's it's a little bit harder. You mostly just kind of stick at it or even like music. But dude, I remember StarCraft. I was like, this is like hard. You know what I'm saying? Because dude, playing people at StarCraft, yeah. it's like, dude, you move at a different APM. Yeah. You know, just yeah, like. I, 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 um, I was at German Gamescom on the Razor stage. And for some, at the time I was into StarCraft 2 and then I played against some pro gamer 
got wrecked and got completely wrecked it was uh, it was very uh, embarrassing dude I, I was i was pushing <laughs> so masters bad. back i was pushing masters back in the day i played the dude that game was so fun i dude i still yeah. i still like dude i play smash bros competitively like dude oh, wow. I, I love like smash like yeah. I, do, you, do you remember the melee days where people were like going crazy L yeah I, have, I, have, I had some friends in the university like when when i went to the music production university we'd play smash every pretty much every every night and some of them like ended up playing like one or two competitive tournaments which is really cool but then they just like like they'd be decimating us at home but then they would get decimated at the tournaments though Dude, that's me man i get <laughs> yeah. I, I did fucking wreck all my neighborhood friends and then all yeah. of a sudden i go and i can make it kind of far but then there's some guy who's like regional Gosh, dude yeah. comes in just fucking wrecks me yeah it's crazy a lot of those gamers are making good money now man those people yeah. used to make fun of are like now they quit their jobs and they're yeah I, I watched the valve documentary about the dota tournament and everything that was super cool i loved how they used source filmmaker to reenact like the highlight moments of the final game did they I, yeah, I which was that, that was so sick because you know how they have like the source filmmaker thing no i i mean like what is they, they've always had like the source engine and then they you, you know we can remake it in the game yeah you, you know team fortress 2 right yeah 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 so you know all the the trailers for team fortress 2 where it's like meet the team like meet the heavy mm -hmm. meet the sniper oh there's a cool story connected to this by the way so you know how i used the voice of the team fortress 2 guys for some of the songs like pray for rhythm is yeah. the sniper and then the uh, was it cry some more is the heavy and stuff so um, I didn't want to get into any legal troubles, so I l hit up Valve and was like, hey, I want to use the sounds from Team Fortress 2 from the Sniper to use in my song. And they were like, oh, that's cool, but we actually don't own the copyright to this. It's still all with the voice actor, so you got to hit him up or his agent. So I looked him up, John Laurie or something from, from Seattle, and I called his agent. And tried to I tried to like explain what I was gonna do like if it's for a piece of music and like is a sample in there and I don't know if he got it but at some point I was just like 150 bucks and he was like yeah okay 150 bucks <laughs> I was like okay all right let's do it and then I found out that his wife is actually Glados from Portal like the opera singer who's really? also voicing Glados and then he also does Roadhog and Overwatch Dude, and all kinds of voices like ever since then I started hearing him everywhere it's so sick it's like a voice acting power couple or something. But yeah, that's super wild. cool. That's a whole another world with like voice acting for games and, and, and like overdubbing or something. But yeah, dude, that's that's pretty cool. Anime is like that, that big. Cool. Like the anime voice actors, especially like the English dub, they'll oh, be right. the same English dub will be on like all the different animes. Yeah, yeah, I see. I've never I've never seen anime with English dubs that much because I would always either yeah I would always just watch Japanese voices and then English. Yeah. English so so I watch sub my entire life until mm -hmm. I start watching anime before I go to bed and I like yeah. to flip over and it sounds yeah, yeah, goofy yeah. okay that's a very good reason I see that absolutely yeah because <laughs> otherwise you need to have your eyes peeled on yeah, it, yeah that's the or only... you learn or you need to learn Japanese so. yeah <laughs> but no I, I fuck with anime hard man I used Sweet. To yeah. anime video games and the music it like I, I dude the funny thing is man I see stuff like video games getting good you yeah. like you you have to you have to take it pretty seriously to get good at like a StarCraft or a Counter-Strike. Yeah. That still translates because that person that gets good at one thing, like, dude, I think you'd be a sick fucking engineer or some shit that's completely off. You know what I'm saying? And it's just because I think it's the mindset. Like oh, Drew's yeah, like that too. Drew's gotten good at a lot of different stuff. Like yeah. it's almost like a mindset the person gets. You yeah, know? yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I've just had like ever since uh, I haven't had that much time to play games anymore. As soon as it's like a game where I notice, oh wow, okay, to have if you want to like be a little competitive about this, you got to spend all your life yeah. playing this now. Then I'm like, then I don't want to play it that much anymore. So now I'm just into like I don't know, for example, the new Zelda, the, well, the, um, the Breath of Link's Awakening or something. So oh, more like story driven. Yeah, games. yeah, yeah. No, I know you're saying, dude, Pokemon. Pokemon's coming out for Switch. I don't know if oh, you... you're right. Ah, uh, I'm. 
I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I've heard there's been so much controversy about the new Pokemon. Like, Dude, it has to be good. It's like the old. It's like red and blue style shit, but on the Switch. Oh wait. Oh, you mean uh, let's go Eevee and no, Pikachu no, 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 no. There's they're coming out with the RPG one, the one that's like okay, the, yeah. I've seen I've more seen competitive for that, stuff, but they yeah. were so like I'm on. I was on Reddit and so many people were like bitching about it. Like, well, let's go is like it Pokemon did, Go. That it didn't look as good as Breath of the Wild. Like oh, why if, if we can have games that were looking like that, why does the new Pokemon kind of look like ass? Um, and then the like the like super evolution thing where the Pokemon grew big, everyone was like shitting on that as well. But I don't know. Well, I, see, I always well, have I fun. love Pokemon. I always have fun with the Pokemon yeah. game. It's like a nice refresher for me. Yeah. We'll have a Pokemon battle in the next cinematic show episode live. We'll have streams going. <laughs> nice. Um, no, that's super interesting. Uh, but yeah, gaming was a big part of my life. Yeah, me. Uh, yeah, it's just I don't know, man. It's something about it. So I love the game. I want to do something in the gaming industry. Like I, I would love to eventually make sound and or music for a game. Uh, but I would really want to spend a lot of time on it, like make it good. And right now I don't have the time, maybe in like years. Have you ever been in virtual reality? Like I have a, I have a vibe. Okay. So yeah. you, yeah, you fucked around with it. Okay. Yeah. Cause like, dude, there's some, there's some, uh, experiences in there. Like, like essentially music videos that you're a part of. Oh, cool. But dude, like with good, like really good song with visuals, dude, it's a trip. It's like the future, yeah. you know? So one of the bad things is just like not enough people have it to really understand how crazy that shit is. But even like designing some stuff for that. Like yeah, I was say. wondering if you could do anything cool with like directional sound in it when you have like virtual speakers, you can move around. Like let's say you have, I don't know, like just a virtual speaker just playing one note, but then other, like you have a couple and altogether they play a chord, but you can move them around or just by turning your head, they're going to be somewhere else or you're walking through a corridor where there's all kinds of speakers playing different elements, but if you walk past, some come in, some go out, like, so, like so, all kinds of So there's this, yeah, yeah, there's this one game that's like that, and it was well, not a game, it's more of like a, almost called like a documentary experience, yeah. but you're going through like black holes and shit, and it talks about like Ooh, all the yeah. different like logic behind that, but then one of the parts, mm. something happens where it starts talking about sound waves, and you see yeah. all these sound waves, it's like, it just literally tells you to use your voice. So I'm sitting here, yeah. and I start going, oh, and, and literally the way they, they mic'd it in and then they like drenched in a reverb and it sounded perfect with it, with the yeah. experience. And I was like, this is Ooh, fucking crazy. Reminds some... me a little bit about the game where you had to like sing to solve puzzles. But oh, it what? was like a 2D side scroller and then you had to like sing and it would draw, like there would be a big gap. You couldn't jump over it. And then you had to like sing for it to like draw the landscape and the higher you sung, the like further up it would go. So you could like sing a, a, a slope or, or something to like reach a higher a higher point. That was really cool. Dude, what if that's the thing that takes you to next, next level? Like a virtual ride, little mini game on your yeah. phone. Dude, look at look at uh, the John Madden. He wasn't that good. I mean, he wasn't that crazy of a coach. Dude, he got fucking Madden Sports, and now he's, you know, he made oh, yeah. stacks. But um, the, the like sound in video games thing is really cool. When I did the internship in Berlin at the recording studio, in one of the rooms there was a company for game sound design. Mm -hmm. So I talked to them uh, every once in a while, and they just like showed me how the whole thing works. And like if you, for example, if you have to make the sounds for the enemies and that you fight in a video game, they just get a list of stuff. Where it's like zombie and then idle noise one, idle noise two, yeah. the death sound, hit sound, groan. What if he dies in a fire? That's gonna sound different. And then you have to like make all of those, make sure they're all like also like all normalized at the same volumes. It, if it's like an environmental sound, it's gonna loop seamlessly. And then 60% of what you do eventually won't 
end up being used in the game anyway. We, we've <laughs> done end. we've done some of that in our packs. We'll get like a foley artist to come in and do something. Yeah. Weird. Oh like, yeah, I love I love that kind of yeah, shit. Dude, we one time we brought a guy in and uh, it was a symbol scrape. I didn't know the symbol scrape sounds like that. And then when he did yeah. it, I was like, what? Because it sounds completely different yeah. than what you would think. Yeah, I put a oh, if you put a symbol scrape, if you get one that sounds like not too dissonant and uh -huh. you put it in a uh, granular synth you can make it sound like the biggest like church organ from hell it sounds really? so cool yeah I, I hope i still have the patch somewhere i haven't used it yet it sounds really dark yeah you can do some like dude even like like punching or breaking i was, I was watching a mortal Kombat one yeah. the sounds they're using and they were like like squishing melons and shit oh yeah right oh that and must that be one. so oh I, I saw the video yeah, 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 yeah. combat where he has like the video it was, he's making the sound to it. it it was like going viral dude yeah. i think that see i don't know man i think it's uh with music side of things there's so many interesting like paths like people there could be i think there's somebody watching this right yeah. now that would maybe even rather than being a touring producer have a lot more fun doing something like that or something yeah you know i see myself there in like i don't know 10 years when I, if i don't want to tour anymore or something I just want to sit at home and then just make all kinds of sounds. Yeah. So I got a question. So, you know, now hearing your background, it makes a lot of sense. I've heard you share snippets on your Instagram and stuff that's like dramatically different style of music than what I hear you yeah. more typically release. What, what do you do with that? You're not putting it out there? Because like you have some chill stuff. Some stuff yeah. sounds like Porter Robson. I'm like, dude, where the fuck is this? Yeah, maybe. I don't know so. if it's Rossi's fault or what's going on. I'm like, nah. get this shit out here. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Well, so so maybe I'm sure soon. Soon, I'm sure maybe. you so you make a lot of different genres and stuff. You don't you don't put out everything or like how do you decide what goes out the door? Um, ha. Huh. Yeah, it depends on what gets finished. Like I'm more on the side of starting a million things mm -hmm. and then finishing once every once in a while. Uh, yeah, with all the new melodic and like and like different stuff, I am definitely planning on putting that out. Just oh, okay, trying cool. to like. Hold, like holding on to it right now and trying to find the best way to put it out yeah. and then like every once in a while like the whole plan changes and then it's like oh but now it's like these couple of songs maybe you make that an ep or make do, do this or do that so yeah, yeah. but because i just i remember it was like an instagram post you were like talking about five or ten different things you were working on i was like oh shit i was yeah. like i didn't know you make stuff like this you know what i'm saying um no it's super interesting i like also uh, we were talking about now that we talk about video games it makes a lot of sense here in like the uh, i think it was a hanzo sample in dragon oh yeah dude dragon was nasty i think i first heard it on the disciple page and i was actually like, what I, I replaced the sample and i tried to reenact it for the release version so that we wouldn't get any copyright claims and it is terrible don't listen to it, it <laughs> absolutely crazy. oh there's another version of it out the, there like the version on beatport has me doing the hanzo you sample. did it it's terrible what is he even saying i forget it's like uh which is a very old-fashioned... That's what he says it, though. Very like, old-fashioned Japanese way of saying, I think the dragon consumes you or something. Oh, really? That's crazy. You play Overwatch? Too? I used to play it a lot. I used to play a, like a fuck ton of Team Fortress 2 and then switch to Overwatch when it came out, kind of. I was, I was a soldier main, so then on Overwatch, I was Pharah main. Oh, uh, okay. It was really Can't sick. I, I used to play a lot with, um, with, with Matt from Barely Alive. We used uh, to like play online every once in a while, but I haven't had time anymore. Dude, I get uh, it. I, I, you know what's funny? I, I look at that stuff and I'll usually indulge for like a weekend and then I'll be like, okay, I got to get back to work or something. But I, I love taking time to... Dude, Farrah's... That's stupid. Jordan's back there. He's just... You float yeah, on stage yeah. and fuck oh, people up. It. and <laughs> Such an interesting game though. Yeah, sure. really good sound design as well. Incredible dynamic engine on the sound design as well. Mm -hmm. Like in-game when you... Like how it prioritizes certain sounds over others depending on 
what is happening like for example if you know how like sometimes it'll, they'll just have some side chaining like if uh, if there's like you have like a, the kill streak noise in uh -huh. call of duty or something will be playing and then everything else ducks a little bit or oh, something does it I didn't so even... they have like a built-in compressor like literal plugins running in the back like just like your plugins in a daw Damn. they'll have a reverb plugin that'll like reverb all the sounds that are being triggered right now depending on what space you're in or something well i guess even so. even like moving would be panning they're doing something to like just yeah. pan the audio yeah exactly you. so there's all kinds of dynamic processing going on but then the one in overwatch goes by like the priority of sounds and the loudness of sounds go by how much of a threat level it is to you so mm. the footsteps of the enemy closest to you will also be like played louder than any other footsteps or something oh so yeah it's uh uh, it's That's really crazy. interesting. I like that a lot. Yeah, or yeah. like if if someone yeah if someone's like triggering their ult and they're closer to you, it'll be louder. Or if if you're in a spot where it's more dangerous to you, so that's really cool how it like how it works. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. And if you if you go with the sound cues, it makes the game a lot more easier and gives you an advantage. A game where that's a lot more subtle was Left 4 Dead, where like you know how there's like these zombies that are a little stronger, like the, the smoker yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and and boomer and so on. So those all have a trigger sound once they spawn. Like if they spawn somewhere in the distance and you're about to run into them, as soon as they're spawned, they play a little theme. And every zombie has its own theme. Like the boomer is like a really low dun 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 yeah. dun, which sounds like a fat guy. Kinda. Yeah, dude. Like, the, like <laughs> the witch. I, mean, I remember being a kid playing yeah. in the dark, and like we were kind of like me and my friends. Like, dude, the witch it would be like just crying, and that, yeah. that music would play. Dude, that game was amazing. That was so sick. Dude, I like Left 4 Dead One better than Two because One would felt yeah. more like. But I just love the aspect of like when you listen to the music more, you could tell what was going to come up uh -huh. and you could prepare more. Like you would just hear the sound effect that like a um, smoker was around the corner. So you could tell your friends, okay, wait, on, it's probably smoking. Yeah. So that would like improve your gameplay actually. Yeah, I thought that was no, that's sick. sick. So, so you, do you think like, so I see you do this a lot you know, um, kind of infusing these little things that are kind of like the, so for example, I don't listen to dubstep or like heavy rhythm that much. I listen to fucking that song because I, I main fucking Hanzo. Oh, I see. Right. Yeah. But so I have this weird connection string yeah. and, and I kind of feel like that happens with remixes sometimes and infusing pop culture. Do you think that's good for producers to maybe gain some traction by latching on? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. That's, I think that's always, that is definitely a good idea to just yeah get your stuff to go viral i yeah. guess not even worry 100%. about stream revenue or something like that just getting it yeah yeah no because i think uh Definitely. who did the dreamland the dreamland remix that was kirby? really yeah the kirby dreamland. there was a mutrix one that was really good there was one that's that was really cool. heavy that came out oh, okay i don't know if i know it <sighs> but yeah yeah that stuff's great that'll, yeah. that'll do a lot for you that shit pops on uh instagram too you should do more of that little Instagram clips like me and Drew do sometimes. Yeah, everyone like sometimes I'm like uh, like I'll I'll, vo I'll watch like a meme compilation and then there's like a funny noise in there or like I don't know an animal making a funny sound and then I'm like I'm gonna make, I'm gonna like turn this into a sound real quick. But yeah. then I, every time I do it, I feel like that's probably already been done. Well, dude, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, like, I know. like you know, I mean, do people would love to hear you take Mario Bros and just drop it into something crazy? Yeah. You know, and then and then you post that and you give it to the fucking TikTokers and the TikTokers go off with it. You know, shit oh, like you're that. Right. Yeah, you were talking about that. Dude, we're about to. I'm about to. We're about to go. We're about to go take VR to TikTok. <laughs> uh, sweet, Jordan. What are we looking on time? Oh, dude, this came out fire, wow. man. Time fucking flies. Yeah, time flies when you're just <laughs> chatting. And, and, and surprisingly, this is a very, like, 
easy and productive hour and a half. Like you'd be surprised yeah. how productive sitting around shooting the shit is if you just record it. <laughs> nice. You know what I'm saying? I think uh, we went through some good stuff today. Yeah. Very proud of ourselves. Dude, you know, you know what I want to do in this episode? Maybe edit it back in. Dude, if we gave away even like five sounds and said, I see. So so the thing that makes episodes pop for us is yeah. when we email out, we say, hey, we secretly put a link somewhere in the episode randomly. So you got to watch oh, it to see I it see. for five five sounds or something like that. That's People genius. Are crazy. That's cool. We gotta, we're going to dig through those projects, get some right. virtual riot secret sauce. Just, just like just like a, a wave, like the samples, like five, five samples presets. Or People presets. Go, yeah, five presets. Right. That'd be sick. We'll hide it in the episode. Maybe just... I'll uh, edit something in. Because the presets might suck because it's all about the post-processing. Oh, shit. We'll see. Some secret sauce. Something. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, dude, hiding, hiding stuff in the episode, I realize is the best thing. People try, to, uh, people try to go in the comments and say, oh, it's right here. And then, dude, literally Jake, Jordan, me will just like mod comments. Everybody's like, why has no one said it? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like we're keeping an eye on it, Genius. just like deleting comments and uh, shit. Um, all right, dope. Well, dude, I got a, uh, a couple things I want to ask. Yeah. Uh, don't answer just yet because we're going to do something real quick. But one of the questions is uh, you got 500 bucks, a laptop, and 10 amazing songs. And I want to hear what you're doing for the next 30 days to get your name out there in a world where nobody knows virtual right. Yeah. Right. I think stuff like that. I want to get a couple other production questions in. But what we do is uh, we keep a small portion for SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Music. So like the, the YouTube portion will cut, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but before we end, uh, I guess two things. One, what do you want people to, to, to know and walk away with some Max community? What do you want them to check out? Socials, projects you got going on? Huh. Um, I guess stay tuned for like all the melodics and different, different stuff. Yeah. Um, you also got packs. I'm sure, you know, stuff like that. Oh, you're yeah, right. Yeah, you are a pack guy. We've by the got way. a we've got a pack. We've got a pack coming up. We haven't even talked about it. Yeah, you want to, you can talk about it a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, we I made this drum pack with Pat from Modestep, which is uh, really cool and is incredibly useful. Uh, this is like actually a good example for I want to be like yeah this pack is sick, but it's actually like I wanted to make it a useful pack for like not just dubstep, just like really good drum fills and really good drum one shots that like I actually use myself because. I think they turned out really nice. And it was also a cool, um, so we spent like a weekend in the studio uh, recording drums in all kinds of different ways. Like just first, just making like a normal setup, then putting the kick drum sideways as a low tom, making like a cinematic setup with as many toms as possible, making some like cinematic tom loops and all kinds of one shots. Uh, and um, that was actually a cool um, way for me to apply what I learned at university with like recording bands yeah. for, finally for like the first time out of university like how to how to place your mics how to process room mics and all kinds of stuff so that was really sick hell yeah and uh, yeah I think that stuff turned out really well and then to like run it all off there's a few bass shots and bass loops and, and blitz shit in there too and some synthesized kicks and snares uh, sweet yeah. you got a name for it yet or no Huh? You got a name for it? Or it's just still? spicy rhythm drums. Oh, okay, cool. Spicy rhythm drums. You heard it. Keep an eye out for that when it uh, <laughs> when it drops. I'm sure people will be excited. Um, what? Else? Oh yeah, and and like we while we got him here, we're gonna be blasting through different content ideas. So I'm gonna do. I think doing something like a 10 minute, like putting you under a little pressure time clock and recording it. Ah, uh, okay. Project. <laughs> you say that you're gonna bust down two seconds. I already, uh, I already know, man. Fine. And then, I don't know, a couple of the project breakdowns would be cool. Sound design, you know, quick things. We're going to be doing some videos like that. So be sure to go check that out. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And the last thing is uh, we always do a giveaway. So uh, we're giving away five $100 Simax gift cards. All you got to do is comment your favorite moment in this episode. 
and always timestamps definitely help us so that we can find those golden moments and we'll get those clips and post them on social and stuff. And it really helps us. And uh, other than that, we are cutting to the audio only section now. Sweet. Cool. So now this is like nice. what they would hear, but we still record it just, you know, oh, okay, okay. cause whatever. So, uh, back to that question now. Yeah. Um, yeah, $500. You're in an alternate universe. Yeah. Nobody knows who Virtual Riot is. Yeah. Um, you got 10 amazing songs. So you kind of have like, you know, a little bit of money, 500 bucks, your laptop. You yeah. got 10 amazing tracks you like and are ready to release. How are you going about building your your name or releasing? Like, what is your next steps for the next 30 days? Oh, Lord. I don't know. That is really because I feel like the whole situation for that has changed a lot since I started. Because mm-hmm. like when I started, I would just... What helped me a lot was just to upload songs like mm-hmm. to SoundCloud, not as a free download. And like they also didn't come out on any other platform. Like I would upload them to YouTube as well, but I just put them out there. And then eventually, I think there was a um, uh, this guy from Section Z, uh, Joshua, hit me up and was like, "Hey, let's like release." 16 of those songs like they were technically already out but then we just like put them on an album and then properly release them again and that like kickstarted a lot from there so if i had to do that again yeah i would just like try to put them somewhere where like i feel like soundcloud was good was such a good spot for that at the time because you could listen to them whenever it was free but also you couldn't really rip them because it was a really bad like res- online mm-hmm. resolution sort of so uh, it wasn't and like it was even worse than a YouTube video, sort yeah. of. So it was still kind of safe, and there was still some value in a uh, label releasing the songs after you uploaded them there. I feel like mm-hmm. I don't know about right now. Hmm. You just gonna put them out there? Sounds like just putting them out there is the best idea. What to use the five hundred bucks for? I would use uh, it. For, I know what I would use it for. Living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because a lot of That's stuff can be done have, free. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because like what is $500 really going to get you? Yeah. In the short term, as you know. Uh, I, I guess, I guess it'll help. Like you can get somewhere by trying to reach out to, for example, a YouTube channel that uploads, uh, uploads like that style of music, whatever you have, and has like a bit of a following. Like sometimes you're lucky and then it's maybe... A channel that literally like it has like 500,000 followers but the guy who uploads stuff there is just like just uploads whatever he likes so yeah. you might get lucky and just just he, he likes your songs and then you end up there so that can happen and that's good then there's especially for dubstep I feel like dubstep gutter for example is uploading a lot of stuff from lesser known artists yeah like and dub rebellion doing, or yeah, like that, yeah yeah and doing a lot of pushing there yeah, dub rebellion is like more on the rhythm side and then and then dubstep gutter is more on the bro step side kind of mm-hmm. so um there's already like some addresses you can go to uh yeah cool well hey uh easy <laughs> uh okay so you know you built a lot of i think you know you've worked with a lot of different people in the industry and then what, what are tips you have for networking you know, because I think a lot of producers shoot themselves in the foot kind of with a check out my SoundCloud versus like building real relationships. Yeah. What tips do you have for people building relationships? For what, what was important for me was proximity, uh, which is why I uh, came to L.A. Like before I even played shows, I came to L.A. just to like connect with other people who were there, start collaborations and just like be there and be nearby. That was definitely a big point. 
for example, one time I, we had this sort of thing set up where I was going to work with with Sunny, and I was in Germany, and we were just talking over managers, like managers were emailing each other, like, oh yeah, let's let's do this like next month, and then it got moved by a week, and then oh, when shall we book the flights? And it got moved another week, and we were just like wondering if it was ever going to happen. So I just booked a flight and just flew over there and hit up Sunny, like, hey, I'm here, and he was like, yo, come over, sleep on my couch, like whatever. So when that was way better to just be right there um, uh-huh. a million miles away. Dude, so in that case, yeah, the proximity that's what I try is to, important. That's why I try to get people when they're in town, like just try to hustle while they're in town. Because Atlanta is yeah. actually really good for, I mean, EDM's not as great, but like mm-hmm. for hip hop and stuff, like, but people are down the road, just hit them up, you know? Yeah. And then just having a personal connection and making a good impression will get you a lot further along the way because... I, like everything art related I feel like is or almost with any job I feel like is very uh, depending on like if you know someone you'll much rather like uh, promote him to one of your friends like oh you're looking for someone who can produce this kind of music I just met this guy who is kind of cool who does that so yeah. it, it just it, a lot of it works through personal connections yeah. I feel like relationships yeah and relationships exactly it, it can be like less favoring for people who are just trying to get into it of course but yeah you just got to know that just be nice don't be a dick yeah (laughs) dude that's why i love the podcast it put relationships on steroids for us because i'm like all of a sudden i'm like sweet i get everybody coming town this is awesome (laughs) you know um sweet sweet okay and then uh the last question is is that what advice would you give your let's just call it 15 year old self like right now if you go and pass and say hey you know, here's a here's some good pieces of advice for your music career. What would you tell yourself? Hmm. Huh. I like making you think on these questions. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Kid virtual riot. Uh. Could be motivation, feedback, yeah. or. I don't know. Like I would say, like spend. I can't. I can't say like spend more time making music because I. That's all I did back then. Yeah. <laughs> Already like. Uh, when I started university first, I didn't sign up for the like the music university first. I had to like sign up for another one because I was a little late. So I had to just sign up at some university for something just to be a student for a year. But then I just didn't go and just like stayed in my mom's basement, basically just making music every day at that time. So that was the right choice at the moment. Mm-hmm. So, um, huh. Oh no, don't blow up your computer. <laughs> by putting something into the graphics card fan because it was too loud or something <laughs> would be a good improvement. Save some of the older project files so they don't get lost. That would be nice. Yeah, that's funny. That's the worst, man. Open up some old, especially FL Studio yeah. just being jank, man. Open up project. Up my, I blew up my PC like right before I moved to LA. Luckily, it was right before I moved. So and I couldn't have brought it anyways because it was too big and too heavy. But did you lose a lot of projects? Mm, no, I don't think that many. It was fine because they were all on an SSD that I could salvage, mm-hmm. but it was really stupid. Yeah. The graphics card was like one of the fans had a, an error where it was just at 100% speed at all times. You couldn't change it. It was just broken and it was really loud. So I stuck something in there and it was fine Like because it had two other fans still running and it was fine like that for four years. And then I played Dark Souls 3. And it just, oh, and it was just working too yeah, hard? Yeah, and it just like started to like the picture, like the, the frame rate dropped. And then I just heard a boom. And I, yeah, and you don't know what. It just literally exploded? Yeah. And then everything just shut down. And you don't know what fr- got fried. So even if you try to like just replace one thing, maybe multiple things got fried. And then you try to start it up again and it just explodes in your face again. So I just didn't touch it at all. I just took the hard drive because I thought that would 
probably not make another computer explode if there's something Damn. wrong with that. But yeah, that was cool. Key, key advice, don't let your computer explode. <laughs> Bet, that's a wrap, man. Boom. All right. That was great. Thank Woo. you for having me. Dude, holy shit. Good times. Awesome.